So what is the conversion window for a lot of products? And in fact, they have no clue. Like for example, in our part of the world, usually for the conversion for any e-commerce product is usually within three to seven days. So the key here is that, you know, if you retarget for 30 days, my question to you would be, what are you selling that requires 30 days to think about this? When you do a 30-day retargeting, I'm not saying that it's wrong, but if you're retargeting with one single same image or same creative, you're going to wear these people out. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Crucial to the success of ads, and not just Facebook ads, but advertising altogether, is that precious formula we should all know like the back of our hand. Hook, old, bad, new, good, benefits, CTA. What I found a particularly insightful takeaway from my guest today, Jason Gann of the Tribe Up Academy, is the idea of taking this formula and parsing it out over a set of videos to make each section more effective. For my longtime audience, this is where understanding the basics leads us to being able to take that understanding and apply it to the more in-depth concepts. Jason Gann, it is great to have you here on Ecomonics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Good, thanks. How are you, Joseph? Thanks for having me here. Thanks for being here. I was glad to be able to check out your material. Your definitely your expertise is certainly welcome uh, uh, on the show. So uh, it's it's going to be great to be able to really dig into uh, a lot of what you're up to these days. And so that right there is our opening question: is tell us what you do. Tell us what you're up to these days. Wow. Okay. Thanks. Um, well, I have been helping brands begin small navigating success on specifically on Facebook advertising since uh, 2010. So for the past 10 to 11 years, I've been you know working with close to um, in terms of brands-wise, I work with more than 200 brands, specifically on Facebook advertising. In terms of having helping them to really, um, you know, manage their campaign, strategize their campaign. But I stopped doing that. And I started training in 2016. So, um, you know, over the years, I was thinking that you know I could put together something that I've learned from all these crazy campaigns to help those, um, especially small businesses, because I realized a lot of people have been really wanting to jump on Facebook advertising, but they find it difficult. They find it uh, confusing. So I've been training since 2016 and 5,000 people later uh, is where we are. So yeah, it's very specifically on Facebook advertising. Yeah. And I think confusing is, uh, is, is putting it charitably because it can be, it can be intimidating to even uh, look at the data there and try to parse what's going on. Uh, it can be intimidating to want to get into it. So I think this is like a recording around like the 90 mark. So thankfully, I've had the opportunity to talk to uh, other people who uh, who are also in a similar uh, way that you are. But I would still love to pose some of those questions to you because the more takes we can get on it, the better. So what has been some of the more intimidating or limiting factors for people who are looking to start on Facebook ads? How do they start to get oriented with the um, with the service and be able to understand the information, hopefully not in the span of like two or three years. I mean, um, you mean how, how, what are the things that find that people find it confusing or what? I mean, I, yeah, definitely that, like I would say on the, on the starter side, um, what are some of the people, what are some of the things that people struggle with when they're first trying to understand how it all works? Well, uh, when it comes to Facebook advertising, in my opinion, there are three main factors or I rather call them the three main pillars of what makes a good Facebook ads campaign. So um, in my opinion, it has to be able to send the right message to the right people uh, to guide them to take the right action. So that summarizes the, the, the three main pillars as 
the right message being the ad creative. You know, this is one of the things that a lot of people have been like, you know, they always struggle, not because um, they struggle to find the right way, but they struggle because they're constantly having this urge to churn new content. You know, they always believe that, oh, the best ad is yet to come. You know, if the next ad, it should be the next one. You know, something is wrong with my ad when I hit it with any block. So that's the first thing. And then the other part is, of course, everybody drill too much on the audience targeting part is what I think. And in my opinion, sometimes people overdo. In fact, people overdo all the time in terms of the audience targeting. So that's the other part that is confusing. And the third part is, of course, the most important part whereby, um, you know, what, how, how can you really guide the audience to do the thing that you want them to do? As in like, I mean, I, let me give you an example. A lot of people actually, like they were trying to get people to click to their website. But ended up they boosted the post, which you know ended up they got they get a lot of likes, comments, and they will be frustrated. Why am I not getting clicks? Because that's where we start, you know, we, because you started with the wrong action. So altogether, so I, I mean, for these three main pillars, either one of these fall apart, the whole campaign fall apart. So this is where I think a lot of people are struggling with over the years after working with all these people. And so when I hear you say um, trying to uh, guide the audience, um, where I think that the step before that where you would have to come in is you have to guide the marketer and you have to help them understand what objectives that they're looking for. And and that's one thing that I've always um, n- not quite understood. Now, granted, I'm very slow to the to the take. Like I do have my own store. Uh, I'm still putting pieces together. I have I have the luxury of you know, the longer I take, the better off I'll be because I can continue to absorb more information in the position that I'm in. So, you know, go me. But when people set out to have the uh, objectives and they, it it seems like the most obvious thing is, well, I want my, I want the the people I advertise to, to spend money on my product, but it's not as, it's not so easy. Sometimes it's also about raising awareness. It's about um, trying to convey a message, trying to get people to understand maybe an entire uh, niche or something along those lines. So when people are trying to guide the audience actions, how are you guiding the seller to figure out what it is they want to do with the audience? Okay, uh, thanks for the question. I think it's a very good one because Thank recently you. we just had, I worked hard uh, on it. Yeah, I mean, I just because okay, for my case, right? Other than running my my signature six day challenge, I mean, which is my signature six day live Facebook ads training, I also do a lot of uh, so called uh, joint training with uh, you know. Uh, experts from specific niches. And one of the guys that I worked with was a guy who actually achieved 9x ROAS for his uh, Shopify store, which is the topic that we're supposed to, you know, because Deputify is obviously a Shopify thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, when, it, when, it, when it comes to Shopify store, there are many different combinations altogether. Like, for example, if your product, I mean, we will always come back to the complexity of the product. Like, uh, I work with a lot of uh, so-called e-commerce sellers and uh, a lot of them are actually you know, it's, it, it, they, they should have a very simple journey where they should be getting the traffic first. And then, of course, you know, they want to go for conversion. But my guy the other day, because he sells this kind of like exotic that leather uh, phone casing, you know, what he found out after he tested, because these guys were crazy in terms of experimenting. You know, after a while, he reaches 9x consistently. Then, you know, that's the reason why I invited him, invite him to my, to, to conduct a training together. So his method, he go for he go for conversion all the way. So when he go for conversion all the way, he go for the, you know, the deepest conversion, which is the purchase. Now, when it comes to conversion objective on Facebook advertising, we all know that, you know, Facebook's conversion may not be the conversion that we are looking at. Facebook wants a conversion event that has at least 25 fires in the last seven days. So uh, the advice from Facebook, because I'm also a blueprint certified professional since 2017. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, we, we, we have been really like edu- being educated by Facebook in this way that you need to have the data. But what this guy did was he actually went all the way for the purchase conversion event. Even he didn't have enough, you know, he didn't have 25 in the past seven days. He still go ahead. And in fact, that's where he, his, you know, his big break actually came. So he said, no, it's okay. Because his logic is this. The moment you go for the action, I mean, because Facebook will look for, basically when it comes to the audience targeting, when it comes to Facebook looking for the people, purchase, people who purchase and people who add to cut are two different types of people. Mm-hmm. What you were saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I can see that. So, I mean, Shopify sellers should have this kind of experience, right? You, sometimes you get hell of add to cuts, but the purchase are really different. So you can actually try, you know, my guy was telling me that go all the way. So that's where he achieved his 9X. So all the way. Now, the other category that we are looking at is some, some people who are selling complex product, whereby when you drive people to your Shopify store, whether you want to go for, you know, either traffic or conversion, it's not just going to work because the moment people land on your store, they're just being confused by the product features and all this altogether. So uh, what we did, you know, in terms of designing the funnel of, or, or the so-called customer journey a little bit to help them was we actually will might consider adding a little bit of a, you know, kind of like a lead generation journey in between, like getting people to ask questions by a message or even to invite them into a, maybe like a short demonstration or webinar kind of thing. You know, it worked pretty well for one of my coaches, which is, you know, she sells this, um, it's like a beauty device, which costs about, you know, somewhere about the 300 to 400 US dollar. I mean, for something, a product for Malaysia market and Philippines market may not work that well because uh, people may be like, because it's kind of expensive. If I'm new to this, I may not want to commit this amount of money into this. So what we did was we added a webinar, a short one, just like a 30 to 40 minutes kind of thing for people to just jump on and to see the feature and we give an offer on that. So it worked pretty well for this coachee of mine. So I think that pretty much depends on how the complexity of the product, I would say. But I would say constant experiment is still very important in this manner. Mm-hmm. So w- one of the things that I would want to a little, know a little bit more about in regards to the webinar is how we were able to, how you were able to retain interest in it because, I mean, we're lucky if people will watch a 30 second ad for five seconds, right? Because that's why the, the hook, at, the hook at, the, so at the beginning is so important. But to get to somebody to be compelled to, to watch a webinar, which can be anywhere between 15 to 40 minutes, it seems like they need to have a lot of interest to you know, sit and, and, and pay attention to it. And, and, I, and I say pay attention in particular because people can have the webinar going and then end up looking at their phone and then not really uh, uh, be sold on it after all. So was there like a degree of consumer warmth that they were going after in order to, I guess, guarantee that people participating in the webinar would be participating? Um, well, averagely, when it comes to webinar in our part of the world, I'm not sure about your side of the world because we talk about... Uh, sure, well, let's establish that real quick. I'm in Toronto, Canada. Yeah, so, so we are we're, all, we're in the West. Yeah, we're actually in Malaysia, which is in the Asia region, Malaysia. And uh, I served the region in, I mean, I'm actually pretty much deep rooted in the Southeast Asia region. So uh, my main market are Singapore, Malaysia, uh, Indonesia, Philippines, and Thailand. So these are my main markets. So I, I have a lot of students coming from all these regions. So for these, our part of the world, to be very frank, uh, if a person really like go all the way and sign up to the webinar, we usually will have about 30 to 40% turnout rate. So that's the first thing. And then uh, when it comes to people who stay until the end, that varies. That pretty much depends coming back to the person, whether are you good at doing it? Are you engaged enough to get people to 
you know, to do whatever they want to do. So uh, that's pretty much about the number over here. So, I mean, when it comes to, I mean, that, that pretty much will come back to who are the people that you're inviting to the webinar instead. So we do not go out and invite the strangers. As the, advertise, the, the, the advertisement about the webinar doesn't go out to everybody else. It will only go to people who actually, you know, qualified, who are qualified. Like, for example, it has to be some, those people who visited the website in recent days, like maybe like 30 days, okay? And of course, if you're added to cart, then we probably push for it. So uh, I probably want to touch a bit about my two-step funnel framework, whereby we usually run two ads at the same time. So the first ad is usually to go out and qualify the audience intent. So uh, usually we will either drive people to go to your website or get people to, you know, at least consume some part of the video. At least we know that you watch at least maybe like, you know, 50% of the video, then I will qualify you as intended. So from there, we will actually drive our retargeting ad for a very specific days of time. So usually my way of doing retargeting is not about that kind of people that usually people do. Because one of the common mistakes about retargeting is that retargeting for, um, you know, for too long. Okay, like for example, if you are, re let's say for example, a lot of people, what they do is, let, I mean, when it comes to Shopify, I work with a lot of Shopify sellers. Um, they will always like to retarget people for maybe like 30 days, 60 days or 90 days because they thought that the longer I retarget, I have more audiences. Right. But I think I would say it's diminishing returns because while retargeting somebody once shows that there's a great deal of um, intention to maintain contact with that pot potential customer, 30 days go by, 60 days go by. Look, I'm not buying the heated brush. But there's another thing that I always like to argue here. I totally agree with you, Joseph, which is, you know, every purchase intent has got an expiry date. So what is the conversion window for a lot of products? And in fact, they have no clue. Like for example, in our part of the world, usually for the conversion for any e-commerce product is usually within three to seven days. So the key here is that, you know, if you retarget for 30 days, my question to you would be, what are you selling that requires 30 days to think about this? You know, and even when it comes to 30 days, then you just have to imagine when you do a 30 day retargeting, I'm not saying that it's wrong, but if you're retargeting with one single same image or same creative, you're going to wear these people out. Yeah, I you know I I I I get the sense that it's a rhetorical question because I don't think there's really many products that takes 30 days to think about, but I would argue that in order for something to I, mean, I don't know why I'm arguing this, I don't think I'm the expert <laughs> on it, but I think the the for, for something to need a little bit more time to consider, it's more about spending time in the problem which might not have been revealed until the ad was communicating that to the consumer so to use my own store for instance the product that i'm working on are these drawers you stick underneath the, a desk and what's great about them is that it helps re people rethink how they use their space because i'm all about adhesives uh, my well, I'm, I'm not gonna move the camera right now because that would upset the editor but um, I have a bunch of headphones stuck to my wall because I love those wall hooks. So I'm all about like three-dimensional space and just trying to like make people really get the most out of where they live or where they work. So I think for somebody like in my instance, they probably never realized that before. And now that they understand the problem, they might need some time to stew in the problem. So yeah, you know what? Actually, my desk can be a lot more cluttered. I could, I could, uh, I could fix this out. So that's the logic that I can see. Now, does that justify thirty days? Probably not, but I can see that taking a little bit more time than um, than two or three days. Okay. Here's the thing. What if I mean? Then, then we will have another thing to talk about, which is my sequential advertising. Which is, you see, when a person comes to your website, okay, instead of the next thirty days, you show them one single ad. You can actually do a drip. You know, um, it, my move is very simple. You just imagine, right? When I come to your website, because you're selling something that is a little bit more complex, 
Now, what if you're able to do a series of advertisements that is being you know, designed in sequence and communicates each and every one of your USPs okay, uh, individually to give them enough time? Let's say, for example, right, we will have USP1 uh, talking about one specific thing for, I mean, we will have one ad for USP1, for example, for maybe five days. So that mean, means that if you come to my website today for the next five days, if, I mean, if you come to my website and you don't buy, for the next five days, you see ad one which talks about the USP one. So I, I let you sink in, you know, and then after that, if you don't take action, then on day six to day 10, I will show you another app. If you still don't take action, then probably on day set, uh, on day six to day 10, on day, day 11 to day five, I'll show you another app. I mean, you just imagine when you're able to do your storytelling in this way, you're able to communicate each and every one of your USPs to your audiences effectively in a sequence because not everyone would like USP one. But if they don't get to know about USB 3, they don't buy. Exactly the key that, you know, when it comes to a com slightly more complex product, then you need to really drive this kind of journey. So with, with this, is, this is great. This is actually the first time um, that I've heard about this. And this is even coming, by the way, from somebody who tried to research you. You know, I, 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 get, I, get, about, I get about 30 minutes to do research because I don't want to like run out the clock or anything like that. But this is, this is great. So what I'm imagining is that uh, based on what you're describing, it sounds like I'm advertising one product. It's not quite the fit, but I do have an array. And so maybe it's a change of color or change of size, something along those lines. And so then I say, well, you're warm to the idea, which is data that I would have collected at this point, but you're not quite warm up to this particular product. So I would show them the different options. Um, whereas I think another route, and I don't know if it's one canceling out the other, or if it's a matter of trying to figure out which is the best one for the situation, it's showing the product and then in the next ad showing it from a different angle or showing a different usage for it maybe focusing more on features and benefits more on benefits and features and so it's unveiling more of the product in a more nuanced way so uh, between those two is it is this, does one work and the other has never worked or is it, depends, it, or it is there option much. c like other other ways to do this as well in fact when it comes to my two-step other framework my students show me i don't know god knows tens of different combinations because when I teach them the whole right, framework yeah. in this way, then they get creative because every different business will have their different needs. But I would say that all the variations are possible. You can actually deploy. But the most important thing is, I mean, I think not enough people, a lot of people out there who advertise on Facebook, they are actually making a lot of mistakes. One of them is they're actually wasting money on people who have taken certain action. I was so relieved when I found out I can pause Shopify. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So basically, the whole two-step funnel for framework aims to solve three main problems. The first one is really your budget waste and your ad fatigue, which is you just imagine. Let's say the first ad, you know, when you have an ad that is evergreen, trying to go out to reach all people and you do not know exclusion. So when a person click, I mean, I'm not sure where you do this, right? You run an ad and you're trying to get people to, your, to, to visit your website. But do you exclude people who visited your website? You get what I mean? Uh, I guess. Oh, hold on. You know, well, I mean, advertising can get pretty specific. So to answer your question, I would say no. So right? if you don't, if I'm trying to come up with if I'm trying to come up with an ad specifically right. to get people's attention, then those other people have already been targeted. Uh, that's my I, that's my be just trying to be the student here. Correct, correct. So if you do not, let's say, for example, if you have an ad that's trying to drive me to your website and you do not exclude people who visited, that means that even if I've visited your website, I've consumed your ad, I've been to your website, I might see the same ad again because. You do not know how to let me go. So when you do not know how to let me go, the second time I see the same ad because I've taken the action, I would not click again, put it this way. Because in my opinion, I've done it. Whatever you want me to do, I've done it. And second thing is, 
you know, it's very unlikely for me to, you know, a lot of people will think that the frequency is very important. That's why in my opinion is that you have to really be able to control how many times you show your ads to the people. Because the more you show, doesn't mean that people will like you more. In fact, people hate you more because come on, man, when are you going to go away? <laughs> so that's the first thing. We call it budget waste because these people would not take action again. And second thing is ad fatigue. So that's the first thing. So uh, yeah, these are the things that we want to avoid for the, with the two-step funnel framework. And the second thing is when you're able to achieve this optimized framework in a way, uh, your second tier of the ads, which is a retargeting ads, is going to work so much better than your, your current retargeting ads because you're able to do different things. You're able to do storytelling. You're able to do, you know, drip kind of messages, sequential messages. So that's what I've been trying to advocate to the world, you know, for, for, for the past several years. But I think I probably, you know, we need a little bit more hard work in terms of advocating this thing, but it's really powerful because um, the framework has guided tens of millions in Facebook ad spend in the past five years alone. And I've actually worked with thousand plus people in this thing. I think it's really something that a lot of people will have to consider, especially when it comes to if you're on e-commerce, the different kind of ROI that you're getting is crazy. Well, I have to say, like a, like I mentioned before, I, I don't exactly keep track of how many uh, interviews I've had, but it's been quite a few. Uh, I would say, yeah, like around 85, 90. And I, this is... You know, unless, unless there's like in that first wave of interviews where I'm really only just starting to understand this, maybe somebody brought it up. But other, other than that, this is the first that I've that I've heard of this. And yet it sounds so fundamental because what you're really describing is the story arc. It's something that is used in film. It's used in television. It's the uh, you know, beginning, you set up, you have rising action, uh, drama, climax, and conclusion. And so in order to disseminate that through a set of advertisements is, I mean, it's it, it's fundamental to the human experience. I, I don't suppose you could probably uh, give us an example of like what would be a, a story arc on one of the more complicated products. I would like to hear one, but I understand if there's like um, client uh, privacy issues that you don't want to run into. So whatever you are willing to tell us about it, I'd love to hear it. Well, I can use my example. Okay, okay that works. I can use my example because, yeah, I can't use my clients or my coaches example because I don't think it's right. So, okay, like for example. I appreciate that. Yeah, when I want to actually, like one of my front end product is my six day challenge. So my six day challenge is actually a, six days uh, straight in a row where I teach you live one hour a day to teach you one key topic a day to help you pick up and implement this two-step funnel framework. So to everybody who is interested in Facebook advertising, there are, you know, there are 4,653 Facebook ads trainers out there. Why me? You know, so what I, what I could do here is that, you know, when you, when I know, let's say when I run ads to all the co-audiences, right? So First thing first, I'll be using a video. So it's going to be like a minute video. So if you watch this video up to maybe like 25%, then I'll make sure that you will not see my ad one again. So because that ad one is for me to reach fresh audiences. So that is my first key qualifier, which is I want you to be excluded. And if you visit my website, of course, you got to go out. So that, that will become an evergreen campaign. So that's the first thing. Now, and in turn, when I know you watch this video up to 25% and you visited my website, either way, so the next thing I'm going to show you is I'm going to show you one ad for five days saying that, hey, do you know what are the mistakes that you have made when it comes to Facebook advertising? So I try to explain one key mistake at a time. You know, so basically, I would actually you know, have a video to talk about mistakes. So that would actually pick up you know, with those people who are really serious and they were still thinking, 
either one of these mistakes will hit them. If I could just um, in, in insert one thing, just my own learning so far, is that this ties into the uh, old bad way, new good way, where I think that's like that's the part of the advertising flow that you've gotten to at this point, was you're showing the mistakes people are making, which is the old bad way. Yeah. And then after that, right, if you still don't take action after watching either of these videos, right, on day six to day 10, I will start telling you that, okay, now, who am I? I'll start telling you that, look, I'm actually a Blueprint certified professional. I mean, just to give you a bit of comparison, because I know that you probably up to now, you're still, you're, if you're still on the bench and you're still considering, then you're probably thinking that who the hell is this guy, right? So I'll be like, okay, now this is me. Uh, I've, been, I've been doing this for 11 years. I've guided tens of millions and I've actually, you know, I'm a certified one and I'm a preferred agency partner by, you know, by Facebook and all that to give the credibility because that is the second part of the thing. So yeah, that will run for day six to day 10. So when, when you're seeing the, the, the second key message, the day six to day 10 to talk about me, you won't be seeing the first retargeting ad, which is to talk about the mistakes. All right. And then after that, right, if after the day six to 10, you still don't want to take action, you're that stubborn, fine. You know, on day 11 to day 12, it's a two-day thing. I'm going to give you a discount. I say that, look, this is the last chance. Come with me at this, you know, special discount code to, to, to do this or... You know, this is it. I won't bother you anymore. So it actually creates that kind of like, in a way, uh, the audience would really know that, okay, this is the last. If I still take action, if I still want it, I will take action. If I don't, then, okay, fine. This guy won't bother me anymore. And I will make sure that if you come up to now and you still don't buy, you will not see my ad for at least 60 days. So I'll make it happy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and you're targeting specifically, I mean, I don't just think you're targeting Shopify people, although maybe that's a specific interest group if you notice that demographics change from which platform people choose. But it sounds like a, you, you are targeting other uh, sellers, other people in the e-commerce. I mean, are, can you tell us like what interests you're using or like how you're, you know, because it, it, it is funny to think about for a second because usually the interest is targeting people to give them the product. But in your in in this example that you give us, it's targeting the targeters. So how do like how do you um, know really what interests or what way to 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 get a hold of people's attention? Like how would I, me being uh, someone who could qualify for this, uh, I suppose there is some regional. Um, uh, limitations there. I don't know how far reaching if you're trying to get people in the States or if you really are just focusing on Southeast Asia. So you can tell us about that part too. But like um, in terms of targeting people, how are you getting the targeters? Okay. Um, so basically just to recap a little bit on the four ads, you know, the ad one is really the, you know, the evergreen ad that is reaching out a fresh audience. And ad two is the one that talks about mystic. Ad three is the one that talks about me. Ad four is the final offer. Now ad two, three, four, these are all retargeting ads. There okay. is no re there's no targeting, detail targeting in this thing. So the detail targeting or whatever interest targeting is only on the first ad. Now, when it comes to first ad, after so many experiments and all this kind of thing right, in the past many years, I realized that there is no one way to rule them all. But you know what I use? I use lookalike audience all the time. I mean, this is really depends on the school of thought. But in my opinion, if you have very high quality lookalike audience, you should consider using a lookalike audience. When I say high quality lookalike audience, let me give you an example. Um, people who like your Facebook page versus people who purchase on your website, you know which one is the higher quality one. Always go for the highest quality, which is people who purchase. You see, all you need is really according to Facebook because I recently just completed my blueprint recertification and in one of the reading material, I actually... Um, because all the while, when we talk about creating high quality lookalike audience, it's really to go for uh, people who are 
you know, Facebook always tell that you need to have at least a thousand in this seat audience, which is like, let's say if you want people who purchase, right, you must have a thousand in it in order to create, you know, the lookalike. But what I, what I picked up recently is Facebook says, you know, even a hundred is good enough. So I would say if you have at least a hundred or a few hundred people who bought from you before, just bloody input their phone number and email address into it and create a custom audience and use that as your lookalike. And then when you are using lookalike, in my opinion, I'm like I'm the kind of person who do not like to have a lot of so-called detailed targeting because there's another school of thought where people would test maybe 50 or you know 30 different interests. And at the end of the day, what I'm actually arguing here is that when you have, let's say, 20 interests targeting, let's say you probably go for Shopify, WooCommerce, WordPress, and each one has an ad set on its own. Now, my argument is this, you know, there, there might be definitely there are people who actually like Shopify and WordPress at the same time. So how do you avoid this overlapping? So when you can't avoid overlapping, in fact, these 20 ad sets that you're targeting different interests, they are going to compete among each other. So when they compete among each other, you know what is going to happen? Your overall cost is going to come up. So, and when you're having, when you slice your budget too thin, when into 20 ads, let's say ad sets targeting different interests, you, you might not be able to exit learning fast enough for each and every one of them. So at the end of the day, what's the purpose of this test? So in my, I, my argument is for always very simple. I'm not trying to prove which interest works better. In fact, in turn, what I'm actually trying to do here is I'm trying to make a campaign work. <laughs> That's my opinion. So uh, after several tests, I would say that there is no very specific, you know, so-called a, a so-called method that, that, that can implement to all. But I would say, I will agree with you. Like, for example, when I run my Shopify course, I'll be targeting people who are interested in Shopify. And I will, will also target people who are interested in WooCommerce because that could be people who are actually doing research, you know. So because when you go for Shopify or WooCommerce specifically, this is actually the interest. And interest means if you like their page, you're actually part of it. So Plus, you never know. I mean, they could be on one platform one day, but then they correct. can find another platform that's more suited to their needs. Correct. So my method is if you're going for broad, meaning that you're not using localized, I will stack. I will stack probably up to 10 interests together into one ad set. The idea here is that instead of using 10 different ad sets targeting different interests, I stack them into one. That will actually increase the so-called the campaign liquidity, which Facebook really emphasized very much lately. Meaning that you want to have a campaign liquidity to have more audiences I mean, in terms of the size, so that Facebook have more so-called samples to test on. Instead of slicing them too thin, it may not work that way. And I will be able to combine all the budget into one ad set instead. So that will help me exceed the learning faster. So in turn, I will reach the stabilization of the campaign faster. So that's what I'm actually arguing. So yeah, that's my method. So what I wanted to ask about in, in regards to the uh, the multi-ad sets, um, alluding to what I said earlier about how, you know, on your second one where you point out the mistakes that the sellers are making, um, I compared that to the uh, old bad way. And then as you were describing the rest, I didn't want to keep interrupting you, but it, it spoke very much to the fundamental formula, which was funny to me because a few episodes ago, uh, I'm, I have to, uh, I forgive me, audience, I can't remember who I asked this. I think it was... Uh, uh, Christian Leverset, just to at least put a guess out there um, for the for the sake of it, is I asked, you know, do we see other advertising formulas? And for the most part, we don't, because the formula isn't just it's it, it predates Facebook, it, it predates the internet. It's just core uh, a, fun, a fundamental formula. So then we tie that to a lot of the advertisements that um, we I, I learn about, including myself, talking to a lot of other people, specifically in like the dropshipping Shopify space, where the ad one specific ad 
has to do the whole job. So it has a hook. It has to do old, bad, new, good, uh, benefits, CTA. You've you've given all of those steps more breathing room, I think, so that in the first one, then they the, basically the first ad is the hook. So what I would like to know about um, is how is the first ad um, effectively pulling its weight so that it continues to move people down into the rest of the formula? Um, because I because you because you say you're 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 checking how long I guess people um, uh, look at the advertisement for it. So yeah, I, I, I that, that's that's what I want to know next is the, the, how effect how you make sure that the first ad is effective because that one is pulling the weight not just for the product which you eventually want to get to but just to get to the other ads. Yep. Yep. Okay. Thanks for the question. I think that's a very good one. Now, uh, how do you Thank how you. do you make sure that first ad you know because that's the hope, right? So when it comes to first ad, my uh, I would really disagree with. The method that you're saying just now, you know, in the one particular ad itself that you chuck everything in, just turn the table around. Do you consume this kind of thing? Do you even bother to click continue reading and actually try to find out more and all that? I mean, for me, it will depend on the, I will say it will depend on the product, <laughs> but I've also, um, there was like peaks and valleys in my own interest. Like there was a while where I was, I guess, just drunk on ordering things online and I must have ordered like 20 or 30 things in the span of about two months. So I, I, I have burnt out from that and I'm, I'm, I'm back to my own more discerning method where if I'm going to look at a brand, I do compare them to other household brands that I've seen for, for, for years and years. And yes, okay, but that's, you know, put it back to the very specific niche here. You're talking about the dropshippers. When it comes to dropshippers, you are actually having a brand that is unknown to the audience. You're not famous, you're nothing. So if you're actually doing a long form kind of advertising, you may not get what you want because, okay, there are different arguments I'm not trying to discuss discount whatever methodology out there. But in mine, my methodology is very simple. My first ad is always going for the intent. You see, here's the thing. In my opinion, too many people try to sell on the ad itself. And in fact, in my opinion, you're not selling on the ad. You sell after the click, if you agree with me. Nobody will decide to buy from you, but from, from you on your product by looking at the ad itself. So when you're trying to put your whole bloody sales copy on the ad itself, you actually put people off. So what I'm actually trying to do here is that if you're able to boil, you boil your product down to a very a few, you may not need, I mean, you may not need just one. Uh, you probably can have, you can test two or three different hooks just to give the most enticing, you know, thing about your product. So, you know, and, and, and throw it up. Let's give an example for my case. All right. I would say that for my six day challenge, I'm very simple. You know, my first ad is going, always going to be like, learn Facebook ads, for six days live, you know, for only $19, will you stop? Will you at least, if you're interested in Facebook advertising and somehow or other, would you at least take a pause at this and say that, okay, that's first, it's affordable. It's not too expensive for me to look into. And you talk about six days of live learning, then, okay, that's okay. At least let's take a look at what this guy has got to do. We will always go for a, that kind of like to the point kind of advertising for tier one ad. You know, the ones that I see good success are those who are really kind of like simple that really captures the right intent. I mean, intent. So I would go against if you're trying to, let's say certain people would like to do this kind of like a clickbaity kind of advertisement design where they probably do something else. They put a pretty face there and all this kind of thing. All they want is to get a click. But in fact, you might get a long, wrong click. Here's what I'm actually going for. So your first ad has to be simple. It has to be video. If you don't have a, you know, the resources to put up a good video, then try to combine several images into a slideshow. That will work. 
and I will try to control your video within 15 seconds. So if you do 15 seconds, that means that if a person spends up to 50%, that is only about six to 7%, you use that as a qualifier for the next one. The idea here is I want to capture intent instead of selling. So the tier one, because by capturing the intent, I'll be already getting people who are interested to click when I go to my website, they will buy. But what I want is to qualify the intent to reel them into the second and third and fourth ads. So that's my methodology. That's why uh, to answer your question, Joseph, I think the first ad has to be simple. Okay. And it has to be clear enough to communicate one very important key message about your product to get people to, you know, to do the next step. You know, uh, uh, one thing that um, uh, struck me as you were, uh, you know, you posing the rhetorical question, uh, which is, would I stop at that ad? And it just speaks to, I think, the difficulty of knowing exactly what part of the niche within the niche within the niche is going to be receptive to it. Because if you if you had asked me if I had seen that ad, to be honest, I said, well, I mean, I host an e-commerce podcast, so I'm going to get information <laughs> like four times a week. So I think I'm good. And then I would think, well, what about my audience? Oh, I mean, you know, my audience, I assume that you know, they're, they're like, well, I could just keep on listening to economics. You know, I get, I get great information every week. And then what I try to do, by the way, um, my, one of my goals is I want the audience to really connect with the people that I talk to and say, Hey, I really agree with this guy's methodology. I'm going to go check him out. So my, you know, some, some people from my audience might say, yeah, that, uh, yeah, that Jason Gang guy, that that's, that's my guy. So, you know, ho hopefully I've been able to do that for you today, yeah, you. but then you get to like other people, you know, what position are they in? Are they consuming enough material that they're okay with it? Do they really feel like they need that extra kick? Is it a regional thing? So in, in, in to summarize all of that, you really have no choice, but to have as many interests as you can think of to cast that wide net. And then from there you can uh, filter out who is going to be interested. And, and that's, and that's the beauty I think of the learning phase is that, Part of I think what you're doing is you're posing a question even to yourself, which is, you know, who am I going to be targeting with this? Well, here's all the information I do know. And now let's see what I can learn about the people that I am advertising to. Yeah, you have to. Another thing that I think we have to really uh, kind of like let it go is we have to trust. We have to trust Facebook algorithm in one way or another because, you know, the I mean, what Facebook promises, of course, some, sometimes, they, sometimes they screw up. Uh, in fact, most of the time. But, you know, what they're trying to do here is that they're trying to tell us, you see, when it comes to the campaign liquidity as a as a, as a spe very specific topic, you know, they actually spend half an hour, as in like they have a reading material that for half an hour kind of like reading material to talk about campaign liquidity itself. So I think that somehow, you know, you know shows how, how, how they think this is important. Because what I actually try and argue here is that the, the, I mean, the more time you give a winning campaign as in like the ad set, to really continuously improvise itself, they will say that in the long run, they will give you better results. But here's another thing, you know, which is my two-step funnel framework aims for long-term success. I'm, when I say long-term means doesn't mean for a year, of course, we will say that at least two to three months down. Because another thing that I'm against is, you see a lot of people change campaign or change ad set, you know, change audience targeting, change creative tool. Change to product. Soon, change product, which is called coming to the yeah. dropshipping part. So in my opinion, um, you might be changing this thing too soon because uh, let's say, for example, right? Sometimes uh, you, have, you, have, you have an ad campaign, you have a campaign running well for two weeks, for example, and then for two days, it stopped working. And then what people would do, what, what, would you, what would you do when you have a campaign running well for two weeks and it stopped working, what would you do? Probably pause it, right? I don't want to lose any more money. Okay. And then I would go back to the drawing board and, and rethink, is it, is, it is it creative? Is it, I mean, it's, 
I, I the last thing I want to do. This is me. Like I am, I am using drop shipping, but you know, you know, I was raised in like the old old school uh, Italian household, so you know, we're very like uh, passionate about what we do. And I, the last thing I want to do is give up on my product because I do actually genuinely like it and believe in it. Exactly. So that's the last thing I want to do. Exactly. So here is the scenario. I'm actually trying to nudge you a little bit to think about it. So, so you say, let's say you know, running well for two weeks and it stopped working for two days, and then you were saying that you would go back to look at is it the creative. Is it the audience? Now, when you thought, when you think about this, then you are discounting the effectiveness in the past two weeks. Right. Are you saying okay. that in the past two weeks, all these people just went nuts by clicking on the ad and buying from you? And you're now saying that, oh, because it doesn't work for two days, it's the ad creative problem. I mean, this is doing this ad creative, no justice at all. So what usually right. people, what usually, this is one of the key mistakes that a lot of people do. You kill a campaign too soon or you kill an ad too soon, but what will I do? In fact, when you actually try to investigate a metrics, it could be because of the CPM. Because for that particular two days, a lot of advertisers come in because of some festive season, the CPM should up. So that screw ups the whole thing. So if you really like want this to continue, then you probably can adjust a little bit to you know, lay low for a while. Then when the CPM comes back down, then you can come back. So it could be because one of the things, CPM, it could be because the other thing, it could, it could be because of the frequency. You know, your audience is too niche. It has reached a certain threshold, meaning that most people have seen it way too many times. You know, then you probably, then in that case, then you want to turn, you want to turn your content, meaning that it's time to create a new creative. But like I said, I would totally agree with you. I don't want you to give up on your product too soon. It's definitely not because of the product. Look, if you look at Canada and US, such big country, and then I do not know how much you're spending. If you're spending somewhere north, like 100 to $500 a day, you still have a lot of rooms and your, your budget should actually your audience should actually last for like months. So yeah, I would agree with you. Don't give up on your product too soon, but sometimes you need to learn how to really investigate all these, like, you know, dissect all these metrics to find the right thing to do. I'm just, I'm just taking a second just to, just to process a lot of that because that's um, a very important insight. Uh, sorry, uh, you know, as you're describing, you know, I'm, I, I must have written down like a ton of notes, which by the way, I don't, think I even got around to asking question two. That was all just uh, based on question one, and I had, I had 20 of them written down. See what I was saying before we started recording? Always better to run out of time than run out of questions. By the way, if you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version three has been released, and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. Honestly, to me, I feel like you really wrapped it up in a nice bow there. So I'm just going to shift to another thing that I wanted to ask about because I hadn't heard um, tiers described before. So you say tier one ads, tier two ads. Is that just like effectiveness, quality? Like a tier one ad is really like an ad that's nailing it, whereas a tier two ad is like, meh, could use some work. Tier three is like not good at all. I just don't know what. Yeah, okay. Tier one ad are usually the, the first ad. You know, the evergreen ad, the ad that is... Oh, I see. Okay, uh, so it's a sequence. Okay, a my, sequence. my mistake. Correct, correct. So the tier okay. one, tier two. Okay. Usually I would go tier one, tier two, but there will be tier three if you are, you know, running some, like, for example, tier three are usually those people who bought from you before. Then you have a different set of advertising that goes to increase their lifetime value kind of thing. So yeah, usually it's about tier one, tier two kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, I was just uh, uh, confounded on that one because there's a question about whether it was a quality thing or a sequential thing. Got it. Okay, so 
We've uh, we've covered quite a, quite a lot of uh, a lot of value here, and I and I hope our uh, my audience um, who are living vicariously through me uh, have a huge smile on their face right now because I was just like really actually honestly I was blown away by a lot of your your insights and just seeing like you know, your take on what I would still argue is a fundamental methodology, but a different way to approach it that um, uses time to to our advantage. But you're also you know, describing too that a lot of these ads they they jam pack all of the copy and all of the steps of the process all into one ad. And and I do want to take the position of I've been trained, um, you know, my, my mentor, he, he does use this particular style, lots of people do, and it is proven effective. So from your analysis, what would you say is the reason why it, it is as effective uh, as it is? And, and how you think, even though there, you know, there's, there's issues with it, how it still manages to, to, to get the job done? You mean for my two-step on the framework? Oh no! I mean, I mean more in like the um, the straightforward dropshipping style, a thirty second ad. Like they they are effective, and so I'm wondering from your analysis, what do you think that they're doing right? Well, um, I think actually the, the the reason varies. You know, when an ad that is doing well, that could be because of uh, you know there are many factors to look into if you look at the metric side of it. So uh, if you ask me, how do I actually judge whether the campaign is or so called particular ad is doing well? Because you see, like I say, you know, from the very beginning, we talk about the three main pillars, right? It has to be able to send the right message to the right people to get them to take the right action. So I always say that, you know, like for example, granted, now we know we want to go for conversion, for example. So the action is pretty much done, and the audience is pretty much kind of like, you know, there are different school of thought. You go for it now. What is left is the creative, which is we have no control at all. So that's in a way we have no control. So let's say. You know, when we have a campaign that is running well, and if we want to investigate if it's performing well, there are a few key metrics that we'll look at. First thing first is definitely the CPM. So, um, you know, there was, I won't be able to say that there is a benchmark CPM for all industry. Different countries will have different CPM kind of thing. But when you have been running ads for your business for a while, you sort of have a benchmarking CPM. So if the CPM is kind of like similar, that is fine. Now, the second thing that we will look into whether the creative is effective or not is to look at the CTR. Now, CTR, there are two sets. All right. The first CTR is really the CTR all, meaning that you know when it comes to a Facebook ad, there are so many things to click on, playing the video, clicking the like button, you know, sharing it to friends and all that. Right. You yeah. know, so that is CTR all. And in my opinion, if your CTR all is below two, that is really an early indicator that the ad sucks, because people are not engaging at all. So our benchmark is for the CTR all is two. Now the other CTR is CTR link click, which is you know people who click on the call to action button. Now, when you when you have, let's say, for example, if you have, okay, cool, you have two CTR all, you know, meaning that, okay, somehow or other, you're doing averagely okay. Now, on the other side, you have CTR link click 0.5%. That is an indicator that, you know, it's not doing well. Because our benchmark for CTR link click is 1%. Uh, so if you have below, um, that could be because your ad is engaging in a way but your call to action in the ad creative or either whatever itself is not strong enough to guide the audience to take the action that you want. So what we usually do here is we will tweak the copy a little bit or, you know, because we don't want to tweak the creative as in like the video itself, because that will re-trigger the learning significantly. But when you are actually tweaking a line of the call to action, meaning that just add it, say that, you know, just emphasize it a little bit stronger, the first two lines, it might do the job. So uh, these are the few things. So, um, you know, it, CTRO is the, is, the, is the part that we will look at whether the creative is doing okay. So that's the first part. Of course, we want to look at the, the result rate as well as in like, you know, how clicking is one thing, the ROAS is another thing, right? So, so these are the few things to look into. Now, when it comes to the ad set part, if you're trying to dissect whether a campaign is doing or the audience is doing fine, then there will be extra 
thing to look into. Of course, we want to, let's say for my tier one campaign, which is the ad one that is going out to fresh audiences, frequency has to be below two because you don't want to wear your audience out, you know, because we already have all these qualifiers by watching the video, you go out, by clicking the website, you go out. So that will significantly make this a evergreen campaign. So the frequency should be below two. So if it hits above two, then you need to work on your qualifying, meaning the exclusion part of it, all right? So when it comes to tier two part, then you know we will always go for at least two to three. So that's a good one. If you break two to three, then you need to reduce your budget a little bit for your retargeting ads. So there, there should be a balance when it comes to the whole combination, but I would say, um, that's how I would look at the effectiveness of a campaign from several aspects in terms of the metrics part of it. Yeah, that, 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 that's a good takeaway. And when I, when I said analysis, I, you know, I was definitely uh, 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 pleased at your actual analysis of it. So that was uh, exactly the answer that I was looking for. So we do have uh, we do have you for for a little bit more time, and 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 I kind of want to like you know uh, uh, breathe a little bit because I do want to hear a little bit more about you know like your your journey to some podcasts they do the journey stuff at the beginning, but I'm like in this case let's make sure we get the value first. But <laughs> I do, I do want to hear more about like you know how did you um, you know what were you up to prior to e-commerce and you know how did you uh, end up into this industry? Yeah, I mean. Um... I, I graduated as economics graduate. I mean, I do international economics, so I think that helps in terms of uh, the analysis part. Um, and I, when I first started my career, as in my first job was really, I was thrown by my boss to start a company, as in like, he's, she started the company and she just let me run it. I was like, what the heck? Me being a <laughs> fresh one. But uh, okay, we sort of went through a little bit of uh, interesting things and even eventually it just didn't happen. Uh, but you know, I learned tremendous thing from this one because uh, I was given very minimal budget. So I learned all this. I self-taught all this. Like I'm, a, I'm actually a graphic designer. Uh, I can do this graphic design thing. I'm a website builder. I can build websites on my own from scratch. And, uh, you know, I can do, eventually I can do quite a number of things like Facebook advertising, you know, video editing and all this kind of thing. And, and that sort of shaped me into, into digital because I, because of that, I truly believe in digital because I was given no budget. I couldn't have done any convention advertising. Right? So that's where my entry into digital. And then eventually my second job was, um, I was, I was tasked to run the marketing side of a property portal, which is then acquired by one of the bigger ones in the, in the region. So that is where I got really, you know, different kind of learning and when it comes to running a portal kind of thing. And, you know, after two companies working for two years plus, you know, I started my agency. So when I started my agency, I was kind of like, I was, I, was, I think I was crazy back then. You know, we only like less than two years experience. I started at my own agency, but I think that was the most interesting time because can you imagine 2010, you talk about Facebook advertising to all these people in, in my country, they will be like, what the heck are you talking about? So um, eventually, I think it's the perseverance that actually went through. But of course, halfway through, I got distracted a little bit. I, I went on to, you know, uh, actually founded a few startups, which I raised several rounds and here and there, and I burned them down to the ground, you know, in a couple <laughs> of years' time. So we lost, I think, uh, hundreds of thousands, not to the million dot yet. But uh, eventually, these are all key learnings that shaped me. And... Um, yeah, and, and that, you know, all these are all in digital. So that's kind of like, you know, make me to where we are. And eventually, um, the agency part is the one that actually kept us afloat. But up to now, I'm no longer doing agency work. I actually shrink it down and we are no longer taking new clients at the moment. I want to focus on the training and coaching part because in my opinion, this is the better way for me to help more people. Because um, running an agency, we have limitations. We can only take that many clients. 
Yeah, uh, it's first thing first, uh, and you it's very difficult to scale. So that's where I am, you know, after uh, 10, 11 years, you know, yeah. So that's that's what I, I truly believe in, in in helping more people with what I have. I, I respect that. You know, uh, it's it's interesting because I've talked to other people about the 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 challenge of scaling. Um, in in my view, I always looked at, at scaling more about not so much like how many uh, individuals, but how much impact each individual has in whatever it is that they're doing. Because if that individual is now going to pay you know, a, a great a large amount of money, then although I'm not immediately helping hundreds of people, what I am doing is I'm helping one person who is now uh, affecting uh, other people. So that's always been my, my, my quirkier take on scale. Um, you know, if, if I'm max working on 10 clients, then I would want to churn out the lowest paying ones and and end up with the the higher paying ones. Uh, case in point, I was a freelancer and I was doing audio editing prior to this. And so this was a job that I had uh, applied for as a freelancer. And let me tell you, I turned out a lot of people after I got hired here. So I'll just put it that way. I'll put a, put a, uh, put a, put a pin in that. So, the, so there's two things that stuck out. One of them, it did stick out to me when I was uh, uh, looking into, because I know one of your training is about uh, is about real estate. And then you had mentioned that part of this was like a, uh, a property portal. So you've had like a little bit of, uh, of experience in the real estate sector, I understand? Uh, I do, actually. You know, I was, the other day I was just being asked by one of a you know, potential coachee that wants to come into my coaching program. You know, she asked me, okay, you say real estate. What have you done? I said in, in the past 10 years, I think, I have generated somewhere 600,000 leads for all my clients combined. So if that's not something worth mentioning, then I don't know what it is. Basically, I work with all of the major, most of the major property developers in my country. And on top of that, I work with a lot of real estate agencies. I learn a great deal from both sides because they are different animals. Property company, as in developers, they will have different needs. And the way they look at the approach lead generation and campaign marketing, Facebook ads, it's different. And when it comes to the agency side, they are different. So, yeah, I mean, that really boils down to my very much origin because I was in a property, property portal uh, as my second job. Because of that, I, I really like this industry because first thing first, um, it's a very interesting industry where, you know, there are a lot of different variables when it comes to you know, marketing mix. Like, for example, let me give you an example. I coached one one of the largest uh, property portal, I mean, not property, property developer in my country. So, you know, they have projects all over the region. And in fact, when you're using the same method, even it doesn't apply to all of the regions in a very similar way. Like, for example, we have this Northern region. If you use messages, it works really well for them. But when you use messages in the Southern region, it, it just crap. So I think eventually there are so many variables that you can do. It's actually kind of similar to e-commerce, but that property part really is something that I'm more interested in. Um, but of course, I still involved in a lot of e-commerce projects. I yeah, I train in the past just in the past two years alone. I train close to two thousand, close to three thousand uh, e-commerce sellers, regardless drop shipping or e-commerce marketplace sellers or you know Shopee sellers, WooCommerce sellers. We have, we yeah, we have quite a lot of them. And one thing that I think is particularly noteworthy about um, real estate is compared to many other industries there is a great deal of increasing in value because you know in order for an economy to function it's always about progress and it's about uh, enriching more people lifting more people out of um uh, out of lower classes into higher classes and so property you know in theory I, I, and oftentimes in practice it continues to uh, raise in value so long as you know the 
world around that doesn't doesn't fall apart. Yeah. So I think that's one major difference between that and with uh, with e-commerce um, or just generally with with products, not just e-commerce, it's just commerce in general, is that a lot of that consumption is really just sustaining one's quality of life, whereas real estate is about the ability for um, somebody to make an investment, live within that investment, and then um, as it, you know, as the time comes to move on to a higher investment, they can then make more money there. So it is like a an upward rising accumulative industry. And I don't think there's any other industry. I really can't think of any other industry that's like that. I mean, cars deteriorate. Uh, yes, correct. So yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, there is there is investment, there is banking, but it's but to still me, a different it's animal. Not quite the same thing right. as like an industry because it's not there's not a transaction correct. in the same way. Yeah. So so the customer journey is also very much different compared to the different industry. So I think that's a very unique industry that I, I think I really like the, the, the way it's done and kind of like the learning out of it. 10 years and I'm still learning because the, the people really changed. And that's a very interesting industry that I'm always in. Okay, so before I let you go, there is uh, one other thing that I wouldn't mind asking, uh, but if you don't uh, want to uh, reopen an old wound, I'll understand. But because you had talked about you had... Um, you, you tried to get into some startups and they didn't you know, go so well. Um, I, I wouldn't mind hearing about maybe one of Willens that sticks out to you, but just so that we can get something positive out of this, if you want to tell us like what were some of the some of the key lessons that stuck right. out to you from the experience, right. I'd love to hear that. Okay. So one of the startup that I raised about half a million in my country, uh, you know, my I mean ringgit, not dollar. That's probably kind of like half a million. It's kind of like hundred thousand in dollars. So, um, what would you say the currency was? Ringgit. Ringgit is five hundred, four hundred ish thousand. So it turned it out to you know U.S. dollar is about hundred thousand. So um, that was a startup that I actually built. It's like a Facebook commerce kind of thing. So I think it's very similar to whatever we're talking about here. So because at the point of time, Facebook's apps was really the in thing. If you talk about 20, 2012, 2013 kind of thing, yeah. So that point of time, Facebook desktop version was still the in thing. And I built a lot of uh, so-called Facebook apps, you know, kind of like you build a microsite within Facebook environment. And then a lot of people uses that to really like uh, run contests and all this kind of thing back then. You know, that was the time. So I, I was building a lot for a lot of my clients and because I was also running an agency. So, you know, we make a lot of money. I was thinking that, hey, what if we build a store in it? That could be something that people would want. And we thought, we thought, right? So... We, 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 we built it, we built a product, we raised some money and we were actually kind of like, okay, we were struggling to make progress, but it was cool. But eventually, um, what happened was Facebook changed the direction, if you remember. They, they declared that they are becoming mobile. So they ditched the environment, I mean, the, the desktop part of the thing for a while. They really focused on mobile environment for a really long time and they never care, carry along the so-called Facebook apps kind of thing within, you know, as in the microsite within Facebook environment. To the mobile side of it so overnight the whole startup idea turns into you know it just didn't work so um over the year we try to pivot and all that we still don't run into something that is more viable so at the end of the day we just sold the company so a few key lessons i learned okay i spent on marketing too soon i didn't and i spent on marketing too soon and second thing is i actually expand my team too fast so that these are the key mistakes that i made and second thing is uh, i mean third thing would be I was too naive in terms of my so-called fundraising strategy. I was way too naive in that. So uh, in fact, that causes me two years of my time to really kind of like work things out with my investor back then, as in like to resolve the whole thing. So that's the thing. So ever since then, I, you know, I, I don't raise funds anymore. You know, so everything I do since then is really on, you know, it's really like bootstrapping method. 
If I don't make money on day one, I don't make it. I don't do it. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, like I come from like the you know the more uh, liberal and art side, and I've seen I mean much smaller scale, but a lot of um, uh, art projects. A lot of people are using it to for their books, and 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 I've and I have my own creative stuff too. So I've other people have asked me if I want to set it up and. I and I've I've seen some 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 things happen. Like one guy, he he did he did this book. Uh, it was a bunch of a collection of all the comics that he had done online. And then he had a stack of about I don't know four hundred to about six hundred of these. And he just had like a total mental breakdown. And he set fire to all six hundred of them. And uh, and and then his crowd didn't get anything. So you know it. I I I would never want to discount that particular model out completely because I have also seen some successes too. Um, but yeah, it's. It, it, it's a different thing to uh, to reverse a transaction in that way. So it is it is a whole other beast um, uh, entirely. Probably worthy of its own other show, which I'm sure there already is a number of shows like that already. So with that, uh, Jason, this has been fantastic. I, I got to tell you, it's great to know that with each um, interview, uh, even though I'm continuing to learn that there's always something new and there's always something to discover. And today is certainly a standout example of that. I really did not know about a lot of what you talked about today. So uh, for that, I, I, uh, me and my, my brain, we want to thank you very much. And if you have any last piece of advice or wisdom or your favorite quote, uh, proverb, anything like that you'd like to share, you're welcome to. And then let the audience know how they can uh, get involved with your content and get involved with you. Yeah, I mean, for, there are two angles to look at this thing. If you're looking at from, uh, you know, uh, from business builder point of view, uh, my only advice is only to keep building because to be frank, there's so many things that you can build. You know, there are so many values that you can create for the world. So well, don't settle with whatever you have done right now. Keep building and see whether you can actually create. Like, for example, I've I've, I've been teaching and I was now what I'm actually at this point of time, what I'm doing here is I'm bringing more uh, so-called potential good trainers into my universe because I think I can only teach Facebook advertising, but I can't teach, let's say, uh, Google advertising. I can't teach Canva design. I can't teach all these things. But, you know, if I don't introduce these cool people with so much talent to my community, these people won't get discovered in a sec. And in turn, my audience won't get to learn. So, Keep building is one thing. So that's from my business builder point. And if you're actually looking at, you know, the Facebook advertising point of view, uh, I would say, you know, a lot of times don't, this is really my advice, don't kill a campaign too soon. <laughs> it may not be bad to be frank, just dig deeper to see what's really going on. Try to keep a campaign running for long term. It's always beneficial, just like what Joseph was saying. Don't kill a, campaign, a product too soon because, you know, it's not the fault of the product. It's definitely not there. Let's find out what's wrong and you know, then we improvise from there. That could be a better way to do this. So, um, if I mean, talking about that, if you guys want to learn more, you can actually go and find me out. I mean, look me out on YouTube, my, my YouTube channel. Uh, and then if you want to learn with me for, you know, if there's anything you want to learn with me that you can actually look for my, my company website, which is, I think everything starts from my YouTube channel. Just go to my YouTube channel. Uh, then everything actually, try to look at that. And if there's anything you like, you know, then definitely you can st- we can we can start getting in touch from that. Excellent. And with that, uh, once more to our audience, uh, thank you as always for your participation. Uh, it means a lot to me to be able to get this information and share it with all of you. So with that, take care, and we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. 
We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.